1: I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct.
2: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And on Saturday night, Lakers had their first preseason game falling 125-108 to against the Golden State Warriors. And both of our guys were on the scene. I've got some, you know, top-line things that I'll get to later regarding scheme, especially, that I was really happy with. Some other observations that maybe not as much. But, Darius, you were... There, for the birth of the 2023-24 Lakers, what was your impression of
1: the first preseason game? I mean, it kind of went as expected to a certain extent. You mentioned that you had some top-line items. I brought up a recap for Lakers.com, and I mostly covered like the things that I thought were positives. And so let's lead with that here. I thought Anthony Davis looked fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'll leave this part of things to you, Pete, when we kick it back to you, but... The places in which he was receiving the ball in order to attack from were different than what they were primarily last season, which was encouraging. I really thought D'Angelo Russell had a strong game. I was really pleased with how Jackson Hayes played as sort of a backup big. I liked the way Gabe Vincent played Mike, just in terms of like his control and command of things and not really forcing the action. I thought he could have shot the ball a little bit better, but I have a feeling that's going to be a bit of the Gabe Vincent experience this season. streaky shooter. Yeah. So there were some really positive takeaways there. The negatives, I think, were pretty clear. If you watched the game, um, it was not Cam Reddish's best performance by any means. And Pete and Mike, you had a different perspective than I did, but... I don't know if Prince fouling out of a preseason game, if that was just like wrong place, wrong time on several of these calls, or if he was just a victim of a tight whistle, or if it's like, oh, he was just getting attacked and he wasn't able to to guard his guy. But that was a bit of a red flag to me that Prince was fouling as much as he was fouling, and that he gave up the types of shots that he gave up. But that was sort of my high level thing and what stood out to me what was it like from your angle mike because your view was a little bit different than my view
3: yeah it was just i guess it was just a little lower um, but not you had like darius had a better big picture view and i had a better short picture view just because i was kind of like right off the course of the court i mean i didn't love the the team and like the way the team played uh and As Darius said, that's part of the way that's to be expected, especially without LeBron and Austin. Um, Two sort of connective pieces and smart basketball IQ guys. They're going to not just make the right plays, but make, uh, you know, really threaten the defense and then, you know, encourage ball movement to an extent. And I thought it was more about guys just sort of playing on islands in various parts of the half court uh, more often than not. And, you know, Golden State, I thought, popped the ball around a lot better. And part of that is because they had most of their guys playing, aside from Draymond. And, you know, Steph alone kind of creates a lot of that energy uh, in the half court where uh, where the ball's popping and people are running. And so just... But that is, in preseason game w- number one, not a big deal. Uh, so it's just like being there. And I, I think you probably sense some of this tone from Darvin Ham if you got a chance to watch his post game, It's just kind of like, yeah, I saw some good things, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Davis. And uh, th- there are various players that did, uh, did things that you like to see, you know, Vanderbilt hitting a couple of threes. But – in terms of a team collective effort it it was certainly lacking uh, and that's not cause for alarm I I think that that's something that can change as simply as um, getting LeBron and Austin back and slotting appropriately and actually playing lineups that we're going to see in the regular season which we did not Uh, I don't know if there's a single group out there that you said that's likely to be a five-man unit uh, because of the because of how integral LeBron and Austin will be to most groups and then you know Davis playing what are the up playing like 18 minutes uh, it 13, was like 13 yeah, yeah. Yeah. we played 13 minutes and russell 16 minutes so with 80 13 minutes lebron zero Reeves zero D'Lo 16 uh, you, there's not a lot of groups that we could take much from uh, for me
2: yeah i i, I certainly agree, agree with that which is why the bigger picture stuff like the scheme and talent alignment was something that I was really looking for in this game. And then the back end of the roster talent evaluation, which was something we talked about in the preview. And in terms of like the alignment of the scheme and the roster, really excited about that. Darius uh, alluded to AD getting the ball in different spots um, in order to attack. And that was one of the things I've been clamoring for has been like more five out type of attacks. And just a very simple way. If you're watching at home to identify, are we in five out or four out? If we're in five out, AD or the big wood uh, was in this place as well, as was Hayes, will have the ball at the top of the key a lot more often. So if you see that happening kind of on a regular basis, we're in those delay sets that are kind of that are five out style of spacing. And what this does is it gets our best player the ball in the middle of the court with action happening around him where if the defense overreacts to AD, meaning that it's like, oh, I don't care about all these screens you're setting for the guy in the corner or the flare screen to uh, on the wing or whatever, we're worried about Anthony Davis driving to the basket, well, then AD's read is to kick the ball out to the open shooter. Somebody's going to be open as a result of that. But if they are occupied, and this is going to be even more so with LeBron and Austin in the picture, if they are occupied by good shooters and cutters in that off-ball action, it gives you a whole world of space to go in either direction. And AD, the first two buckets of the game were AD cooking Kavon Looney off of the dribble in space. And that, to me, is like ad the wing that i've been really dying to see not just the guy that rolls to the basket over and over again but putting him in the space to be able to do that also addresses what i was a little bit concerned about in terms that of our ability to get downhill off of the dribble i love our skill guards we've been clamoring for that too but we've also lost some of the ability to even with lonnie and dennis going out right these are speed guys that can get downhill and I think it speaks really highly of Darvin D in that like the four out type of style of basketball was what Darvin came from in Milwaukee and in Atlanta alongside Budenholzer. And it's more conducive to guys who can beat you off of the dribble, uh, like guards, pick and roll. Type of play that, you know, guys can beat you off the dribble in that respect. And I had wondered, like, will he make an adjustment for a team that's probably more conducive to running that five outs type of style? And that's exactly what he did. I also, you know, there was some switching on the defensive end. You brought up Jackson Hayes. He amongst the players of all the like, I, I don't want to like over I don't want to put too much emphasis on the first preseason game, but I also think that the blink style analysis, the Malcolm Gladwell, you know, how do you react to something in the first few seconds? I do think that has a little bit of value. It's the first part of your evaluation. And Hayes was a guy that was like, oh yeah, that's going to work. That gravity that he has rolling to the rim. He also understands how to play the position in an off-ball way, whereas Wood is more of an on-ball style of player who, when he catches the ball at the top of the key, his first instinct is to attack the basket and try to get a bucket for himself. Hayes is... First instinct is to like flow into ball reversal in a ball screen with the guard that's on the opposite side and then roll, you know, roll hard to the basket. So between just the schematic stuff and then Hayes like really standing out as a backup center option, those were two things I was really excited about. D. will get into more of the things that that weren't so good later, but AD being great, D-Lo looking fully in control and the scheme matching the talent is way more important to me than the than a lot of the bad that came from this game. AD looking great. D'Lo looking fully in control. And the talent, I think, matching kind of the scheme that and the, the changes that Darwin's made. And, and then Hayes looking as a backup center option. Those were the top line things that stood out to me. And they're more important, I think, than the bad that we saw in that game.
3: I think the key point that you made there, Pete, is not one that many people are going to get, uh, including you know even many of us at the game whose job is to cover the game in the alignment with the scheme and the difference in scheme from last year. And that's something I think that I'll be curious to hear also just what Darvin Ham has to say about it. Uh, and then we'll see if it's implemented continually as we get through the next preseason game, which will be in Vegas tonight. And I think you're right also that, like the points that I made about the things that didn't work as well – are mitigated by the fact that they're just not likely to happen much uh, when the when the team is actually playing games. It's not like, so at Boston, for example, they had Drew Holiday coming off the bench, oh, which wow. I, you can make all the arguments you want about their continuity from last year. and uh, I just think it's silly. Uh, Holiday is like one of the 15 best players in the league, and it, it just seems like he should start and <laughs> figure out the rest around it. Um, and maybe that will change. Maybe he'll end up starting um, as they go into things. But so There's nothing like that for the Lakers. Like, wait, why was this guy in this spot? So, what I was most curious about, aside from the scheme stuff which you already addressed uh, perfectly, was who does he who does Darvin Ham call upon first? Because it doesn't always dictate mm-hmm. exactly how the rotation will play out, but. The rotation decisions in this game, every single time I was like, yep, I like I like the order that these are happening in. And I don't know that that yep. was always the case last year um, or the year before either. And the first example would be Max Christie, um, who I thought was great and who we've been talking about a lot in this pod. But he was the first player off the bench. He played the most minutes of anybody in the game uh, at 25 and you know Cam Reddish came in later, and I thought Max, you know, was just clearly a better fit uh, for the units that he was in, and that will even exacerbate when LeBron and Austin Reeves return. So that was one example. And then like when and Prince came in, and by the time you get down to you know, Jalen Hoodchafino and Maxwell Lewis and Castleton, like I, those guys are not going to be in the normal rotation. I think that Hoodchafino mm-hmm. has some. Showed some flashes of things that as the year goes on and as he gets some more experience, then, you know, if there's an injury, you could put him in. He physically is huge like that. He's a big guard. Like, that's great. He rebounded the ball. Well, he had six boards. But (laughs) there are other things where he didn't do as well. And the Lakers aren't going to need him to because he probably won't be playing, you know, in those in those contexts. So. Just the order and the decisions of the lineups, even without Austin and LeBron, I thought were significant, and, you know, gives us a, a good a good idea of what things are going to be like. um, and that's without even addressing the that fifth starter spot, which I still believe um Vanderbilt can fill right. at least to start the season,
2: you know, Austin's out. Then Gabe is the next man up in the starting lineup. And then Gabe is out of that second unit as a result of that. And then Jalen steps into that role, right. And, it was easy easy to see that. Although in the front court, both Rui and Vando starting doesn't necessarily provide clarification there. So let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about that bench unit that struggled.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed.
2: So there was a pretty clear delineation in this game in terms of, you know, what units worked and what units did not. The starters looked really good, you know, and uh, I think that – but I think – but the bench was – the bench struggled in several different ways, which is exactly how you you know are a minus seventeen, minus twenty something in limited minutes. And I think the the beginning point of that, in part, is because Jalen was running that group, right? And so there were a lot of plays where like the ball didn't go the way it was supposed to. There was one pick and pop that really stood out where Wood was standing out there like I'm open, I'm open, right? Uh, but so. Our our offense is so built around that lead guy, whoever you choose. Now we have and we have multiple guys who can be the lead guy, but whomever it is on a possession-to-possession possession basis, that guy getting the ball to the right place kind of makes the whole thing work. That said, there were other things, right? Of which which like Darius was talking earlier about Torian Prince and his struggles. And he had five fouls in the first eight minutes and then fouled out in 13 minutes. Big thing that Golden State was doing was uh they were they were targeting him with Jonathan Kaminga. And that's something that Prince Prince's defensive weakness is similar to our guards which is part of my concern of prince's fit with us in that he's a very thin guy that you can attack athletically and that's what i saw mike was a guy just kind of over and over again they were like oh kaminga's on him let's have him attack him in space and he was getting to the free throw line over and over again and just overall i thought Kaminga looked very good but those type of type of bigger athletes like kaminga i think represent a type of player that we might struggle with
3: well kaminga is a plus athlete even for an nba player Uh, he just is a an absolute freak in terms of quickness and vertical and speed all of those things and his shot actually looked decent too I while that game was going on I was thinking it was fortunate for the Lakers that Kaminga was not on the floor in the postseason matchup because I thought Mm -hmm. that was an area where they really could have used uh, they could have used a body like his and, you know, Steve Kerr went a different way. Uh, I, I get that they were concerned about spacing and, and with Anthony Davis kind of locking down the paint anyway. But that's the type of athletic solution that I think the Lakers have when you if you have LeBron in and you have you know either Rui or Vanderbilt. That's that's not the type of matchup, right, that you're going to you're going to let linger for a while. Or you're going to make sure that Anthony Davis is in those units more um, so that he can protect from the weak side and you can have Prince just sort of shade into a, a certain direction. And even in that case, that's Kamika's pop that he still might finish on anyway. So I was a little bit less concerned about that, just again because there are, there are clear solutions to it once you get into the regular season. Uh, but the question would be then, do you think that Max Christie can slide up that big You know, to somebody with that level of explosion? Because you know Max is essentially – told me he's comfortable guarding one through four and even some fives he's one of those guys where he, he just thinks that he can take the challenge. Uh, And uh, I'm, I like him on the the sort of more pure wing, but that's a, it's going to be an interesting thing. If how, just how much does Max want to bite out? Uh, How much of a, how much of a bite does he want to take out of the playing time and, uh, and the scheme and like where he's going to be in terms of whom he's defending. so, to push that question back to you, if Prince is struggling with a certain matchup like that, who are the guys that fill in more? And is it is it not just is it a different bench player as opposed to just more Vanderbilt, more Hachimura, more LeBron, more AD?
2: The problem with that is that if we're switching screens on that, it's not really our choice to not put prints on that guy. It's the offense's choice, right? And so if there is that style of athlete, they can find the guy on the floor that you can kind of go through. And that's part of the reason I think we're going to have extended conversations about lineup construction when AD is not on the floor in part because if, and that's one thing that Hayes, I thought did especially well. And Hayes was not part of the big man in the groups that struggled. He was actually a positive on the night. And part of it to me, Mike, is, is each guy on the floor somebody that can hold their own ground, or can you go through them against a plus level athlete, right? And if there is that Kuminga type, who's a high level athlete, even for an NBA player, can you sort of shut the gates with help? And this is going to be a big conversation that we have this year, uh, I think too, is about our help defense, because there's going to be A lot of situations where the individual matchup is disadvantaged, D, that's part of the weaknesses of switching, right? You let the offense pick who they get to go after with who. And if that's the case, there's going to be a mismatch. And then how do you work with that? How do you send help and rotate off of the ball in order to minimize that? going to be one of the big stories of how we switch this year.
1: Yeah. And I think that this is part of the calculus about switching in general and who is helping and who is viewing things. And it's why I mentioned that I didn't expect some drastic scheme change, because the idea of being we're a switch team, you got to practice that a lot like that has to be a part of your identity mm-hmm. because the principles and the help angles and who you're paying attention to and what your quote unquote rules are around like how you're going to engage the offense when you're switching defensively mm-hmm. those are different and there's only so much RAM that you want your guys to have to dedicate to thinking the game defensively in fact you probably don't want them thinking at all you want it so ingrained in them that they understand where they're supposed to go and and what their position is supposed to be on any given scenario after one game and again you don't want to put too much stock in one game. But one of the things that we saw with some of the players on the roster were like, oh, well, how different are you going to be from the version of the player you've like you've been before? And I think all through the signing period and before you see guys in game action, it is pretty easy to convince yourself that like, This new thing is going to work different for you than it worked for the previous places, and Mm -hmm. I've been guilty of this in like some of my discussions, both on this pod and off of it, about like Cam Reddish, for example. Like, oh, I—he's got this pedigree; he's gonna be playing underneath like LeBron James, and with Anthony Davis. These are guys who are just elite players who are also part of like his representation in terms of the agency and all clutch and all this other stuff, right? But it's just like. Cam might have had the worst game of any player who stepped on the court for the Lakers, and he did a bunch of stuff that was just like, oh, this is the same dude that you've been and probably why you're on your fourth or fifth team through four years of an NBA career. And so I know I got away from the idea of like switching to like now I'm targeting a specific player. But that idea of can you do the thing that you're supposed to do on this possession and then do something totally different, like on the next possession. And can you hold it all in your brain? I have concerns about whether or not the defensive acumen of some of the players is going to be high enough to do all of those different things effectively, if that makes sense. That's why to me,
2: just to put it plainly, like the plan when AD is on the floor defensively versus the plan when he is not are in some ways, they got to be two different plans. You got to be much more, uh, intentional you have many more weaknesses uh all around the roster defensively in terms of guys that that can be attacked and so how you go about approaching that i think is is super important um and so within that again the the hayes wood battle i'm curious if there if that is a battle mike if that is a training camp type of thing because hayes to me was so much better than wood and in terms of not just and wood didn't have a good game for wood um and i think that having a distributor with the ball in that was in Jalen's position, but if that's LeBron James instead, because that's usually gonna be the non-AD unit where Wood is in the game, like yeah, he's gonna get the ball on a wide open pick and pop and show the ability to do his thing. That said, um Wood looked looks a little out of shape to me. Um, and Hayes looked fantastic. And and so I'm super curious. Like to me, it's Hayes took a big step ahead of Wood in the Perhaps imaginated the uh, perhaps imagined back a big uh, competition for me. yeah,
3: I agree. It's the same thing with so if you if you just take Max Christie uh, and you take Jackson Hayes and then everything else that was mostly expected and you move a couple of guys out. And in this case, it would be wood and reddish. Like those are the two position tight battles that watching one game of preseason basketball, whatever the context and whatever the rotations, even if they weren't normal, those would be the obvious reaction. So the question is, as the season goes on though, like what's the best way for the coaching staff to still get something out of everybody. Uh, Clearly in the preseason, you give guys another chance uh, to play, to respond, to look a little bit better. But you know, that's where, to me, it's like it's Russell mm-hmm. and it's Reeves, it's LeBron, Vanderbilt, Davis, and then coming off with uh, with Rui uh, and Prince and Max, and then right away, for reasons that you just went over, it would be Jackson Hayes with that, like that first shot and the one that fits into how you could run a scheme with AD off the court better, and then... As AD said himself when asked about Christian Wood, he's a player who can help us offensively with his spacing, with his ability to attack one-on-one, but he didn't – and he was asked generally about Wood. He didn't say anything about defense, and he didn't say anything about anything else. So to me, he's almost like a – somebody that you call into the game when you're you're looking for the things that he does um, as opposed to just trying to have him fit the scheme that you can plug Jackson Hayes into and sort of tell what you're gonna hey Jackson we need you to do this because I don't know that so far that Christian Woods Mm going to be able to do it in the same way but again one game I he will probably play better as the preseason goes on and you're right Pete he doesn't look to be in the best shape so uh, it's it's a it's a one game reaction versus they have the rest of the preseason to kind of iron this stuff out uh, and to watch that first film. But that's uh, to me, it was pretty clear like who was playing well and who wasn't.
1: I
2: agree most of the way uh, with respect to the it's one game, but the not being in shape, like we're going for 18, you know what I mean? And uh, like that to me is more of something that impacts more than just one game. And so let's take a break, come back, keep talking about the first game.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just the,
3: so the, the in shape comment, which we both we both agree. My my long term view of that is just that even if a player doesn't come in to camp in shape, which is a negative, period that player typically will get in shape just by the nature of the NBA season. Shaq would be a great example uh, of this. And I know a lot was a lot of um, tears were shed over that internally in the past, but it's uh, it's a negative go- going in, but who knows what the reason is for it. Uh, and I just think that eventually when the games actually matter more as the season goes on, that, that that will be less of an issue. So what is the talent then? How does it play out? But, you know, basically we agree.
1: I also think that Wood is a test case in, in his own right around like some of the stuff that Darvin said in um, pre-camp availability when he spoke about Wood and his history with Wood and his belief in Wood as as a player. But Darvin said bluntly that in his conversations with Wood, it's been about, I know that you can like produce points and yet you can get stats and you can get numbers but we want to see those numbers um contribute to winning and that's the next step for you as as a player and we want to see that and i'm where game one sort of um bumped up against my concerns with wood coming in in general is that he wood was certainly missed on several different like actions where he was he was available on pick Mm -hmm. and pops pretty much all night and he was available on a couple of swing swings where the guy just didn't make the pass and this goes back to mike's earlier point about guys playing on on an island a little bit and your comment about jhs earlier pete where it's just like jjs clearly didn't realize or wasn't looking for the pop he just wasn't he was looking to get into the mid-range and he looked more effective when a guy was getting downhill with him because you could tell that that's the sort of big that he's played with in the past the all he had to do was turn and pitch back a couple of different times and wood would have gotten a pretty open three and he didn't get it and I don't, look, I don't want to play like body language guy or anything like that. I'll just put myself in Wood's position. Wood's a scorer. He's a dude who wants to touch and see the ball go in the basket and several opportunities that he should and has typically gotten over the course of his career. The ball just didn't find him. And that's going to be something that I think Mm -hmm. he's going to need to adjust to on this Lakers team is that he is not one of the top two or three options. He might not even be one of the four or five top top options. He will on depending on like I'm talking about in the hierarchy of the entire team right and and so sure Sure. finding him i think the lakers could be better to like look for him too and be like this is what you're here for like let's find you and let's get take advantage of that because he's a
0: really really good looking
1: for him in that way and and that to me is the bridge between what we're talking about in terms of like Like being in shape and being able to play harder for longer stretches and giving your all defensively, these are things the Lakers are going to need from Wood in general. But if the way to get there is through giving him more offensive opportunities, that like there's going to need to be a balance there. And that was out of balance, honestly. And I'm not the biggest Christian Wood apologist here, but it just was like, did I necessarily like his response in those situations? Like I didn't. Right. But that's sort of where I was with that. I thought, but I will chime in with all the stuff about Hayes. I thought Hayes looked great. And he is a guy that that is knows his role and is good at his role. And I thought he made a couple of plays, too, where I'm just like, oh, it's interesting that you can make that pass or that you understand that read as a dive man. Because if you're a dive man and you catch a lob, but you land almost around the sideline and then you're like, oh, look, my read is corner." here to make the corner pass and he zipped that pass to vando and vando gets a wide open three that that he buries it's just like that's the chain that you want to see and hayes was pretty good at that stuff which i think is another reason why he's elevating to me after one game
3: so to just zoom out on this on this point specifically if you can get a plus or at least somebody that seems like yep that's going to be a fit with a vet min That really helps the team when you have the type of continuity that the Lakers already do, where they know what they're going to get for the most part from AD, from LeBron, from Rui, from Vanderbilt, from Russell, uh, from Max Christie, from Austin, like that, that's kind of assumed. So then you're Jackson Hayes, a bit of a question mark coming in. Okay, checks the first box. That's good news. Uh that Torian Prince, I think we've at least seen mm-hmm. enough of his success in the NBA to know what he's gonna do. The first game didn't go great. Uh not a huge deal. Let's see what he does in the second game. And then Gabe Vincent to me also just immediately checks the box. Yes, he's gonna miss a couple shots here and there, but he's steady. I loved his ball pressure, um, getting right up into Steph's space. You know, he's yep. he's, he's tough. Like yep. he just fits with that the kind of mentality I think that this team has. And And so Christian Wood, we knew that might be volatile at different points, but you guys just explained really well, um, if you play into the things that you know he does do well, which are shoot, score, like, he does that in an elite level, um, even in the NBA. And and they didn't get him in the right spots necessarily to do that, so it – it was all disparate Pete and the way that it happened at certain points, but the, the shell of this team yeah. um, I think is, is clearly there. I, and I, this would be a different point. I just also think like the Warriors have a lot going on well for them. And so do a lot of the other teams in the West. So that's, that's my typical point for before where we can't just lock in the Lakers into the, like the Western conference finals or the finals because uh, there are other good teams, but the shell of Absolutely. the shell of what they need to be um, is there.
2: Very much so. I think uh, that, again, all of the things that went well in this game were a lot of the really most important things, far more so than these these lineups, like you said, that will never play together. Uh, that said, I do think that our bench in particular has specific weaknesses that this was an opening shot of what some of those things are and it's going to be part of what the Lakers have to navigate over the course of the season and so that to me the your your comment about Hayes' passing D is if we are in these types of like five out type of sets a lot the five at the top of the key uh, is oftentimes in the center of the action even if it's just to swing the ball right like ball reversal is a big concept within five out style basketball in that It's if the defense gets to lock into their spot and where they are and okay, I'm I'm on the weak side and this is my read and the ball kind of stays there, which honestly has been a lot of the Lakers offense in the LeBron and AD era. And it, it has worked to a degree. Right. But if you're not moving the defense around, they're far less prone to mistakes. If you're five in the middle. Uh, If your five that has the ball in the middle knows where the ball is supposed to go next and reads it quickly, like, you know who I thought had great chemistry was, was Hayes and Max. Max would come flying off of the corner, especially in the second half when they played together, flying out of the right corner, going to his left, and... Hayes would immediately flow into the handoff. Like he knew it was coming just like that Vando pass you were talking about. And Max is all of a sudden turning the corner and getting downhill and, you know, putting a foot in the ground and using his athleticism in size while Hayes is also rolling downhill. Right. Uh, And so that understanding of how the sequence works to me is going to be a big part of whether or not our bench offense is going to be good. And so we've talked a lot about that five spot uh, through the lens of defense and uh, much more so on the offensive end with just Wood. I know you like Hayes on the offensive end as a five. Talk to me more about kind of what you see from him in that respect.
1: I just like the idea, man, of a guy who screens hard and screens well, and then can turn and plant and get downhill quickly, right? Like, I remember Dwight's last year with the Lakers when after he had gone away to Philly and then he came back for that last run so his third stint with the Lakers he Dwight was always an excellent screener like he just put his body in there and he knock a guy off but his ability to then turn and get into his role was just not where it had been in previous seasons and no took a while for that motor to get like he had (laughs) like some some rust on that pivot right and so he's so he's tried to turn and you hear the squeaks (laughs) A little bit and hayes gets into that screen and he is out of it quickly even after making pretty good contact and then when he turns to get downhill he is taking these good long strides in order to like be a recipient of a pass and explode to the basket and that level of force and athleticism that he is playing with is going to open things up. Mike, you were, um, right there with AD post, uh, like post game. And AD mentioned this, like, he's like, even if Hayes isn't get like getting the ball, he's going to be helping other guys on the court by his ability to get down, downhill, catch lobs, finish inside. And so as, as teams start to say like, Oh, we have to take that away. he's going that's going to open things up for guys in in other parts of the court and that's one of the reasons why I like Hayes as an offensive player it's it's because his job is pretty simple man screen and get down downhill and if he can then incorporate the nuance of make the make the short roll pass or or make the right read read as as a passer which is one or two reads right if he could do those those things too it's just like oh then you can play you can play next to Anthony Davis you can certainly play next next to LeBron and you can play with any of the skill guards that that the Lakers have in Gabe and D'Lo and and Vincent, But even guys like Max who were coming off curls and looking for their jumper because, like, Hayes is going to get open and he's going to be able to get to, to the offensive glass, too.
3: So just put a bow on the Max part of it, because I think you just you talked Hayes a, a good amount there. Max has already got the trust of the veterans in uh, Anthony Davis spoke to that. If you want to, I tweeted it from my at Lakers reporter account, Spectrum put out the video of AD and the last question I asked him was about Max and uh, essentially just how much he trusts him to be on the court. And AD was emphatic uh, about that. And that to me goes a long way because these guys, especially AD and LeBron, they're not going to say something like that just to say it. Like some players, you can hey didn't mm-hmm. didn't player X play great, and the player will just sort of play along. Like I put out a a, a general question about it, sure. and then AD. Um, so he, by the way, he also says something nice about um, Demoy Hodge. We can yeah, we can get into that in a different. Demoy pod, Hodge, but yeah that t- the fact that max at this age has sort of won the vets over um and they know they can trust and they know they can expect essentially good basketball from him um i just think is a major thing because it's not easy to get a guy of that size um with with the who also kind of understands how to play and isn't just out there trying to get his own thing done that to me is gonna is gonna be a big deal for the Lakers this year and it's just a nice start of to have that continue to have max continue his development like this
2: Max and Hayes to me represent the two mo- likeliest places of kind of finding that Malik Monk, that you know, uh, vetman type of guy who was just n- didn't have the role the year before. Max obviously on this this Lakers team that had a bunch of guards ahead of him, um, and then Hayes in a situation where. What he did was kind of duplicative with a lot of the other bigs on the roster and the guards that they had. Like, think about who is passing Hayes the ball in New Orleans relative to who's going to be passing him the ball with the Lakers. Like, the way that he got to the rim off of the screens, the way you were talking earlier, D, I was trying to imagine that with LeBron James, who makes that particular pass. And then what happened a few times with Golden State, and this is this is how Golden State plays, they kind of sucked into the paint. And like there's one role where Hayes drew like four guys. LeBron's going to hit a wide open Gabe Vincent for a corner three or a wide open Torian Prince, right? And these are great shots. And so... Both Max and Hayes, to me, are, are were the, the great standouts of Game 1 in terms of what this year can be that we didn't already know it was going to be with AD being great, d being in control. So anyway, fun Game 1. Got another game tonight against Brooklyn in Vegas. We will be back tomorrow to discuss. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
1: Gaines has got it in low to Mikhail. Mikhail wants to turn he's double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. Expires again, yeah, the Lakers
3: win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next one will win it. It's on the way. Good 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an
0: NBA finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me?
3: Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding,
0: kidding me? Unreal. Are you
3: kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's,
0: There's the move. Two, it's one. Score. one. Missed it's it. it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. the What's over?